This is the Living Out Podcast, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. I'm a personal leadership coach for gay men, and on the podcast, I talk about social justice, LGBTQ issues, and personal growth. Now, today, I want you to take a really deep breath and just expand your abdomen and your chest and then slowly let it all out. (sighs) Get rid of all of the tension. Notice how your body is feeling. Notice where there's any tension. Notice if your shoulders are down and relaxed. And I'm asking you to do that because I'm doing it for myself. Today's podcast is about a bigger question. Were religions invented to control the ego's fear of the other? I'm going to leave in the show notes a direct link to the post that I published on my publication, Think Queerly. The reason I'm saying take a big breath and relax is because on on one level, I admit a bit of nervousness in doing this post because as soon as we bring up the word religion and God, people tend to immediately go on the defensive. But I think we need to try and look at what religions are and how they serve us as individuals and society and humanity, what our ego is and how that serves us and humanity and society, and the intersection of prejudice and bigotry and racism and otherness and homophobia. Now, I am not perfect, and I'm prefacing what I'm going to share with you today that statement, that truth, because none of us are. I am doing my best with what I know, and I hope and feel and believe that I continually do better over time, improving my understanding of things, improving how I understand my ego, and doing my best to not so much offer an unbiased opinion, but an approach that is more open. So you, I'm sure, will hear and feel some of the tensions in what I'm going to share with you here today. But if you are someone who gets easily upset by these things, I would ask you to consider why and where that upset comes from. Because I have had to ask myself those questions. And I would ask that if there's something you want to say with respect to what I'm sharing in this podcast, to please do it as a conversation. Because when I published this post yesterday, I know full well that over time I could be attacked. And it is the... No, it's not the price I pay. It is just anticipating what is possible. Okay. Let's get into it. 
If we witness what's happening in the world, you know, how angry and defensive and fearful people are of the other, take, take Brunei, for example, the country of Brunei or the dictatorship of Brunei, enforcing religious law that, you know, if you're found to be homosexual, you can be stoned to death. <laughs> I have to wonder, did any form of ego-based prejudice exist against another person's sexual or romantic expression before religions existed. So consider the news that came out of Texas this week, and I'm going to read the quote from the source I've cited in my article. The Texas Senate on Tuesday gave its initial okay to a bill that civil rights advocates say would give state-licensed workers, including doctors, child care providers, and counselors, a free pass to discriminate, especially against people in the LGBT community. Senate Bill 17, filed by State Senator Charles Perry L. Lubach, would bar state agencies that issue occupational licenses from penalizing workers who refuse to provide service based on a sincerely held religious belief. End quote. I ask, how is it possible for a sincerely held religious belief to be used as an acceptable form of discrimination? Well, the answer is simple. There are far too many powerful egos in power, and they pander to far too many fearful egos. And those fearful egos scream the loudest and also throw the largest amount of cash and support behind any politician who helps them get their own way. So this combination of a fearful ego and money really goes a long way in politics. Now, to create a framework for this discussion to address my core question, were religions invented to control the ego? And to show how most religions are dangerous for society, allow me to define the various meanings for both ego and religion. Now, these definitions I've taken from the Oxford Dictionary Online. So the ego defined a couple of meanings, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And in psychoanalysis, the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. The definition I found for religion is that serves this article is The belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God, capital G, or lowercase gods. Now that's interesting, because that definition of religion is incorrect. See, religion is not a belief in and of itself. Religion is a system. Religion is a system of teaching and ideologies organized by an individual or group of people. Each religion espouses a particular belief and type of worship. Now, the more fundamentalist a religion, the more dogmatic the set of principles laid down by an authority as incontrovertibly true. The more dogmatic a religion, the more that the role of the ego plays into the rigid binary belief, binary-based belief systems like right versus law, wrong, 
man versus woman, masculine versus feminine, good versus evil, straight versus the other, religion versus science, and so on. So let's say hello to the ego, my old friend. When we're relaxed and comfortable with who we are, we are open to new experiences and new people and understanding different values and opinions shared with us. But when we're tense or upset or insecure or fearful or angry, the ego flares up to protect and deflect us from everything that is external, everything that might extinguish our ego. That fragile ego mechanism seeks to control, to possess, and it fights for its existence. The ego alone can take care of itself, thank you very much. But what about when a single ego needs to coexist in a group of people, a society? How can everyone and every ego function without chaos and anarchy? This brings me to the the wondering, the question, if religions became the simplest solution to manage and provide rules for multiple egos all vying for attention and control. Now, I think that religions make spiritual practice easy, but not necessarily authentic. Let's talk about meditation. I've been doing this on and off for years and more so lately again, and expanding my understanding of consciousness and what that all means. So that's what's going to preface this section. Practicing meditation as a method to understand the nature of consciousness and how to coexist with other beings on this planet requires grace, dedication, openness, and a willingness to bear witness just as a noticing and not without judgment to one's own truth, to bear witness to one's own ego, however fragile or defensive or uh, or however well-managed that ego may be, simply witnessing without judgment, noticing, is a major benefit of meditation and how it helps you understand the nature of consciousness and how you as an individual understand what consciousness is. Now, the challenge for a lot of people is creating a habit for meditation is that the results of meditation are not immediate. Sometimes people really struggle with what seems like such a simplistic act and yet is really so difficult at the beginning. And even sometimes for the most serious and dedicated of meditators, it's a solo practice that takes time and one needs to be aware that they have to accept that the progress of meditation is both subtle and qualitative. Now, the ego mind will do its very best to play tricks on you, like telling you, oh, it's okay to take a day off, or that you don't need to practice your meditation anymore. I've had that this week. I think I've meditated twice. Now, going within is private and personal. It's a practice. The ego will try and convince you that doing this all by yourself is a very lonely thing. And like, oh, wouldn't it be much more fun to join a group and have someone else tell you what to do? Says the ego 
voice in a soothing tone in your head? Surely following a system and reciting chants and prayers and following rules that project an attainable outcome like salvation through the dedication to the one true path is so much easier for the egotistical monkey mind to latch onto than trusting one's own consciousness, one's connection with the consciousness of the universe and all that is. So coming back to religion, blindly following a religion alleviates the need for patience and tolerance. Perhaps even in people who are not blindly following it. Because if you follow the rules and you become born again, someone says that you'll be saved for eternity. I've done my penance. Look at all those heathens suffering needlessly. I feel so sorry for them, knowing that I will be pitying them, burning in the fires of damnation, while I am comfortable resting in heaven with the saved. Uh, Just as an aside, my born-again Christian sister wrote pretty much something like that in a birthday card to me many years ago. Oh, look at how good I am going to church and following the rules, down on my knees, praying. That's something I used to think when I was a young boy and piously Catholic. I didn't know otherwise I was brought up that way. I didn't start to question my beliefs or religion until I was 15 years old. But I question... Are you only mouthing the words, the hymns, and the prayers, and believing those words to be sacred, and that they will save you? You see, repetition of sacred words without experiential knowledge does not lift the veil of ignorance or engender spiritual awareness. Now, going deep into the darkness of your consciousness, especially the first time when you're beginning something like a meditative practice. Going deep into the darkness of your consciousness and being responsible and responsive to the inner light of your humanity and connection with the universe is what will truly save you. And by save you, I mean you will wake up within the limitless nature of your own consciousness, not someone else's limited and dogmatic construct which shows up in the form of religion. Now, this might be very contentious for some. God is personal, not a person. Religion supports tribalism, and it is human nature to band together for social social security and safety in numbers. And the ancient religions, we're talking two, three, four thousand years ago, they supported this base, basic need of human nature at a time when life was truly difficult and severe. But in this modern world, ancient religions show their weakness in the form of superstition, especially in light of what we now know that we have learned from science and the technologies we have created over the last one, two hundred years, all of which have created and alleviated various problems that many religions attempted to once solve. 
those religious-based solutions are no longer adequate, they're no longer appropriate, they no longer fit in with what we now know. And holding on to those ancient belief systems is simply wrong. Now, for tribalism to work, it needs a leader. And thus we see the anthropomorphizing of the understanding of concept of God into a person. Every deity or a God was given human characteristics in the history of humanity and still today. Both good and bad characteristics. Always a binary. And the more recent, the more masculine and the less feminine, which is part of our human race social construct. Which leads me to the example. The Greek gods. Zeus was a power-hungry womanizer who would deceive, rape, and punish his own children, who were also gods, to get his way. Now, the God of the Old Testament would punish, flood the world, and force individuals to sacrifice their own children to demonstrate their allegiance. Think about that. Believing in a higher power, represented as a being, based on human characteristics, creates ethical quandaries. Those who believe in a god or gods, as, as just described, or something similar, create fictions based on the problematic manifestations of their own checked egos. The belief in imaginary beings is a questionable moral jump to circumvent taking responsibility for one's own actions. And it leads from a place based on mirroring the worst of humanity. So, how often have you heard or read, Oh, believe in God and you will be saved, you'll be healed, you'll find love. Well, today we have modern medicine. We have social systems. We have technologies. We have dating apps. And of course, the answers to all of our questions and problems and, and how to save the world will not be found in these ancient superstitious religions. And they might not also be found in the individual modern technologies and sciences. But bearing witness to the nature of our individual consciousness on a mass scale, meaning if more of us meditated and went inward and began to understand our consciousness and the nature of our ego. Bearing witness to the nature of our individual consciousness on a mass scale will connect more of us in humanity than the internet ever has. We can find truth in our own darkness. I say that for the person who hasn't gone inward, who hasn't done anything like a meditation. Now, today, in our modern age, we have the power and the freedom to express ourselves. We have Twitter, we have Facebook. We can learn anything we want by going to a library or just Google searching. 
We can understand at the click of a finger what once seemed mysterious. What was once mysterious or secret or seemingly unsolvable has been explained. We can revel in and we can laugh at our past, past ignorance because everything's just a frame. What we didn't know was the box around our way of thinking until someone came along like, you know, a Galileo or other scientists and said, hmm, what is this thing that makes the apple fall from the tree? What is this thing about the nature of energy, E equals mc squared? But to deny what is obvious and right in front of us that can be easily proved. Take, for example, the flat earthers and the rise of this kind of stupidity. I know that's an egotistical judgment, but come on. Or the belief that the earth was only created 5,000 years ago by an egotistical, maniacal god who also placed dinosaur bones inside of the earths to trick humans? That's sophistry. It's a display of willful ignorance that borders on intellectual impediment. Harsh. Yes, I know. But we need to have the kind of dialogues that help people realize the folly of this kind of ignorance and how harmful it is. And that's the harm that many religions cause. We are no longer living in the dark ages of superstition, holding on to ancient narratives of a vengeful God continues to feed the weak egos that need to be right, that need to have power, that believe that they are, if they're saved, they're better than you, and they somehow have authority. They need to be in control, and thus they're going to organize and create tribes, whether it be religious-based or neo-Nazi groups, or a bunch of very angry white men banding together and battling against the Me Too movement because that fucks with their belief about the status quo. Here is the truth. We don't need God and we don't need religion to be spiritual. I'm not saying all religions are bad. I'm not saying belief in a God is bad. I don't agree with them. I don't think they need to exist to serve us. There can certainly be some benefits that come from the ways in which people look at the world from more neutral, loving, completely accepting religions. What I'm challenging in this podcast are the ancient religions and the overly dogmatic ideological religions. If we look within ourselves to study the nature of consciousness, 
which means we take responsibility for our own consciousness and thus our thoughts and thus our ego and thus our choices and our actions, we will discover that we are all connected. History has documented countless wars, murders, genocide, and crusades over the millennia because of sincerely held religious beliefs. History has documented who has power and who has to be subservient to give up their produce, their labor, their service to those who are the private speakers and communicator with the God or the gods. based on sincerely held religious beliefs. Translation, if you don't believe my dogma, your dog meat. Wow, that was a very difficult post for me to write. And I'll be vulnerable here and say, It was really hard for me to actually choose to do this podcast because I'm learning how I want to say what I want to say around this as I study more about the ego and consciousness. And in pushing myself, I guess, seeing myself as being the change I want to see in the world, I have to take this risk. I have to share these kinds of ideas with you. Going forward, I am hoping to spend more time in research, preparing a really solid article like I did this time, which I can then bring to the podcast. And then another episode in the week will be something that I'm thinking about more along the lines of personal growth and understanding who we are as gay men or in the larger LGBTQ community. I do welcome your feedback, but in the form of a conversation. What did you take from this episode today that made you think more critically that made you perhaps consider something that you hadn't considered before. Because I'm not telling you if you're a believer to give up your belief. I understand that most likely if you're listening to this podcast, you're pretty much on my side and you're pretty much a supporter of of who I am as a gay man, of who I am as a, a queer thought leader. But when we get into religion, that really seems to cross all of the boundaries of certain aspects of open-mindedness and willingness to have empathetic and fair and open-minded conversations. And to that end, consider becoming a member of Living Out. Go to my website at darrensteel.com slash membership where 
we can have these kinds of discussions and chat and where I will be going live on video two to three times a month to discuss some of the bigger issues or answer questions that you may have related to the podcast or just related in general to the subjects and the topics that I talk about. Thank you for listening. Live out and live proud. <laughs>